Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you got your Bibles, you can turn them to First uh, John chapter one. Like I said, we're going to continue on in this study, and um, last week, beginning this was uh, again a, a great. A joy for me. I, I love this book. Many of you have probably read this book, studied this book yourself. Um, but what a beautiful reminder of what God has done in sending Jesus Christ, uh, the Word, the way, the life. We saw uh, eternal life. That's what was, uh, that's what was sent. And so uh, for ages, people have had different ideas. People have different beliefs on who Jesus is and what Jesus uh, they, they think is the right Jesus. I mean, they uh, there's arguments on, you know, all kinds of things concerning Christ, but most of the errors in whether they be denominational errors or whether they be religious errors, false, uh, false religion, is, has to do with Jesus Christ being God or the deity of Jesus Christ. So uh, you have people knock on your door and they want to tell you that it's the same Jesus that you believe in. Uh, and uh, many times, unless they're uh, very clearly... Um, I don't know how to say it, other than saying if they're Mormons or they're Jehovah's Witnesses, it's not the same Jesus. It's not the same Jesus. So um, I'm not ashamed to say that, but I know sometimes people may come in here and say, well, why not? And then we get into uh, a big debate. And most of the time, it's a very simple, uh, not debate in here, uh, but questions about that. Uh, but most of the time, the reason why they are uh, very clearly wrong, other than other things, is the fact that they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. So uh, today, there are many that believe that Jesus uh, is, again, uh, someone who uh, suits their life, someone who is uh, beneficial to them in the way that they want, the, uh, want to be benefited, not necessarily the biblical Jesus. And so, again, we see in Scripture the truth of who he is, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that's what John said the purpose of this writing was, uh, was to set those things straight and then also to complete our joy. So if you tonight uh, are lacking joy, then you came to the right place to be reminded of the right things. And that is the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, your joy can be completed in Him. So uh, that's what a real relationship with Christ does. Um, again, I know that you're tired. I'm tired. Uh, some are battling sicknesses. Some are battling different uh, battles in, uh, in, in different areas of your life. But I, I'm going to say this. Uh, joy is something that comes from God, and that joy that he's talking about only comes from true community or unity or fellowship with the Father. And again, John was mentioning that in the first four verses of John, uh, 1 John chapter 1. And so again, our job as the, the, the people of God is to abide in him, to abide in that relationship. Regardless of what we go through, our joy can still be complete because of that fellowship we have with the Father. And so that's exactly what John was saying. So let's pray. We'll get back into this. We're going to pick up in verse 5. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. We thank you for uh, all that you do. Lord, we know that you're doing great things among us, Lord, great things in, uh, in our lives and, and, and through our lives. Lord, we thank you for uh, what you're doing at Trinity Baptist Temple, Lord. Uh, thank you for, uh, Lord, just the opportunity to serve you in your kingdom. And uh, Lord, we're thankful for your word tonight to uh, open it and to study it. And Lord, we ask that you would be exalted, uh, that uh, what is right is spoken, um, and nothing else, Lord. 
Uh, we pray that you would um, just work in the lives of every single one of us here. Uh, just as the song just said, Lord, that we uh, would lay ourselves down and you would have all of us, Lord. Um, help us to be more like you. And tonight, again, just move in this place and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now this, again, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've probably read this book before. You know this verse, you know these verses, and so it's not anything new. But I want to look at a couple of things tonight with these verses. And, and the first thing I want to do is this, is is when we consider that God could have not sent Jesus Christ. Okay, think about that. God could have not sent his son to die in our place. God could have said, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to do it. They're extremely wicked. They're extremely vile. Um, and so I, I'm just not going to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to save them from their sins. Which again, the Bible says Jesus came to save, save his people from their sins. Knowing that he could have not done that makes the fact that he did do that a very humbling reality when you read verses like this. Because we know that, that in verses like this throughout all the Bible as well, that we see God is perfection. God is holiness. God is righteousness. God is spotlessness. And here again, that word light points to the fact that he is the only light. God is light. Well, what can we grab from this? What is, what, what is so vital? Not only that when we consider that God could have not chosen to send Christ to die for us, and the fact that he did is a hum humbling reality, knowing that he's perfect, knowing that he's holy, knowing that he's righteous and just and, and, and can't look on darkness, can't do evil. Um, what can we grab? What, what might that light mean? What, why is it so important that God is light and in him is no darkness at all? Why is this so important? What is the light of God? What is God being light so vital for? Think about that. You could, you could, you could pass it right by just like me. I grew up in, in, in church and in Sunday school, and we learned and memorized verses like this. And, you know, the first several verses of 1 John, and, and, and you know these things, and you spit them out, and, you know, and, and it just rolls right off your tongue. You, you believed it for so long, and you can pass by this phenomenal truth that God is light. Revelation chapter 21, if you want to flip over there, you can. If not, it should be on the screen. Verse 23, speaking of the new Jerusalem, the city of God, the city had no need of sun, of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. And here's the reason why. Because the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. The reality is this. We can't fathom that kind of light. We, we can't, again, we read in Scripture where Moses goes and meets with God on the mountaintop, and he comes down, has a veil in his face because he had spent time in the presence of God. The radiant glory of God is so perfect and pure and powerful that it illuminates all of the city of, of the eternal home that you and I are going to spend uh, with God in. Think about that. Again, you say, yeah, this is so basic, the light. But again, 
I want you to think about this, this truth. The reason why it's so hard to fathom, though, that type of light, and the reason why I think that we can so easily dismiss this truth that, okay, yeah, God is light. We get it. Now, what I'm trying to do tonight is, is try to get us to understand what does that mean and what does that look like? Why is that so important is the question that I asked. I don't know about you, but I think about the sun. I think about the stars. I think about um, just the, the, the radiant light that comes off of things like that. And, and that's the only thing that I can kind of wrap my mind around when it, when, when it talks about God is light and the glory of God illuminates the city of God. That's kind of the only thing that I can think of. And so if you, if, let's just go that way. Let's go the way of the sun, all right? So the sun illuminates our days. Think about how far the sun is from the earth, right? The heat of the sun, so intense that if we were any closer, that it would be maybe uninhabitable here on earth. That type of power comes from a very little star that in the scope of all the stars and all of the galaxies is very little. And yet God as the radiant light of the eternal dwelling place of God and his people illuminates so there's no need for the sun that we have. Again, I think the reason why it's hard for us to wrap our brain and, and fathom what this is and why this is so important is because we can look around us and we try to attribute, attribute uh, the light of God being equal to the perfection and the holiness and the glory of God. And so for us, that, that's hard to grab hold of that, that much holiness, that much glory, that much perfection. Because we can look around in this world and as good as someone or something may appear on earth, there's always a flaw somewhere, somehow. No matter, you say, I mean, that person lives a spotless life. No, they don't. We can look at someone and say, well, that person lives about as close to perfect as possible. But the reality is, what may seem small in our eyes, what may seem insignificant as a flaw or as a sin, as a mistake, when compared to spotless perfection, is magnified. I want you to, to go with me on this. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The first four verses was talking about who Jesus is and the importance of, of Jesus Christ. And now he's beginning to explain the, this attribute of God's glory, his perfection, his holiness, in contrast to the darkness that exists in the world. See, it's like this. Think of darkness as the, the course of the world, which is sin. If sin brings death, then what is it? It's deadly, period. That's, that is, think about this. If sin brings death, then we can say it's deadly. If we would say, uh, well, this poison is deadly, then, then there's no way around, there's no way around that. If, it's, if it causes death, then it's deadly. So the truth about sin is no amount or type is defined. It's just deadly. Sin is deadly. Romans chapter 6, 23 tells us the wages of sin is death. Sin is deadly. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Again, this is part of the gospel. We know these things. Again, we say these are basic truths, but I want you to look back at that verse right there, the glory of God. We're talking about the light of God. We talk about the glory of God in the New Jerusalem being the light of that city. And now it says that everybody has sinned, that sin is deadly, and everybody falls short of the glory of God. That glory, that word glory means splendor or his radiant glory. So every person falls short of the splendor, the holiness, the radiance of God. Again, and that points to his nature being light. Everyone falls short, therefore, of the light of God. No one deserves to be in that holy city where God's glory radiates and illuminates the city. No one deserves to be in the presence of God. No one can stand in the presence of God in their own. Again, all of us, the Bible says, fall short. All of us have sinned. That sin brings forth death. Why are we pointing these things out? Because the truth is, some people wrestle with these truths. And some people think less of some sins, think less of of certain things. But Scripture says uh, that's the reality for most men. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, it says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Again, you, you, somebody makes a mistake. What often happens is somebody looks for somebody who did something the same or somebody who did something worse to try to make themselves look a little better. Or if we make a mistake, oftentimes we try to explain it away why it's not that big of a deal, why it's not bad, all, all those things. But again, when we know and we understand what true goodness is, what true light is, it's holiness, it's righteousness, it's sinlessness, it's perfection. But it's also, when we think of those words, we forget that it's the absolute absence of bad and evil. Then we, at that point, indeed, can see that, that we fall short. So think about that. To say that I can stand in the radiant presence of God, that, that he is light, there's no darkness in him at all, and that we can have fellowship with this Father, with this God, who is so brilliant and so bright and whole, whole, so holy and so pure and so righteous, that means that when we consider our lives, the only way that we can be in his presence is to have an absence of evil, evil, to have the absence of bad in our life. We just read a while ago, it says that there are, uh, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 3, it says that there are none good, no, not one. So again, why are we pointing this out? Because John was talking about how great it is that we have fellowship with the Father because of Jesus Christ. And so when we think about God as light and in him is no darkness at all, we look at our lives and we can simply say, even if it's a small little blip of darkness in my life, I don't deserve to stand in the presence of God. I don't deserve to call him Father. I don't deserve to have his eternal life that he's gifted to me. Again, John is writing to these, these, these believers um, in, in what we consider now modern-day Turkey, and, and he was trying to encourage them and to hold fast to sound doctrine, to, to make sure that they weren't uh, pulled aside from who Jesus Christ is and what God had done for them through Jesus Christ and what their response is supposed to be with these truths in, in hand. 
And so when we consider those things, God is light, in him is no darkness at all, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, that's us. We know that we don't deserve grace. We know that God gave us grace so that we could be saved, so that we can call him Father, so that we can, who are dirty and dark and evil and sinful and bad, even if we think we're not as bad as the next person, that is our case in front of a spotless God. And the fact that we can be in his presence and call him not judge, as we talked about last week, not, you know, God, almighty God, but we can call him Abba, Father. We can enter into that holiest place. See, to be able to be in God's presence, to be a child of God, means that you are righteous completely, that you are good. It means that to be righteous, you are void of any unrighteousness. You are void of any bad, of any evil. And you say, wait a second. I, I, that's not me. That's not you on your own. Again, that's what magnifies the case of Christ. That's what magnifies the fact that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that he, be, he, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's phenomenal. Because again, when you consider... Think about your life. Think about even maybe today, you know, I missed the mark. I messed up. I had a wrong thought. I said the wrong thing. I didn't do something I should have done. I didn't spend the time with God in prayer. I didn't do this. Again, just one, maybe it's a little blip. Or maybe today you, 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 you made a, a big mistake. Maybe your attitude towards somebody else was, was wrong and bad. And, 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 and you had bad thoughts towards them because of that. Uh, again, when you think about that, and that happens every single day, None of us in ourselves, even as the children of God, deserve to stand in God's presence. He's light, and in him is no darkness at all. It's only because of the righteousness of Christ. Scripture tells us again in Isaiah 64, 6, that we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. I mentioned a while ago, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, that there's none good, no, not one. There's none that doeth good at any time, Scripture says. So that's us. That's, that's the case for mankind. That there's none good, no, not one. That, that all have sinned. That, that sin is deadly. That we are in darkness. That we have no hope in and of ourselves. That our righteousness, all put together, looks like dirty rags. Filthy rags. And then that's us, and then you compare that to what we just saw in verse 5, that he's light. Scripture tells us that God can do no evil, you know, no darkness at all. James chapter 1, verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, because God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one with evil. Why is this so important? Because when we really meditate on these truths, and we begin to understand the magnitude of Jesus coming to this earth and the magnitude of his sacrifice as a substitutionary payment, a substitutionary death in our, on our behalf. And you start thinking about the magnitude of the resurrection, that he's alive, he's living again. That, that the reality is that we are hopeless and helpless on our own. There's nothing that we could ever do to save ourselves, nothing that we could ever do to make ourselves fit or worthy to be 
in God's presence, let alone spend eternity with Him, then it is just a humbling truth when we meditate on them day after day. Again, if we're sinners, which Scripture tells us that we all are, we've broken what is right. That means, as I said a while ago, we have darkness in us. We are in darkness apart from God. Completely. See, I put this in your notes. To be in the light is to be void of darkness. To be in the light is to be completely void of darkness. So if you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I, I try to obey God's word. I try to be faithful to God. It's just every now and then, I have, then that's darkness. To be void of evil, to be void of sin, and vice versa, to be in darkness is to be missing light. To be in darkness is to be missing light. To be in light is to be void of darkness. The question I have is how can darkness make itself light? How can darkness make itself light? Can't. Think about that. Darkness cannot make itself light. What has to happen in order for darkness to change? Light has to invade darkness for darkness to change to light. How can something, another question, that's dirty clean itself? Right? I, I, when, when I mow the grass and there's grass on my, my legs, grass on my hands, stuff, if I try to wipe my legs of the grass with sweat and, and grass on my hands as well, I'm not cleaning myself. No matter how much I try to wipe it, it's dirty wiping dirty. Something dirty can't clean itself. What has to happen? Something that's actually clean has to do that cleaning on what's dirty. So many people that are in darkness and dirty from sin think that they can get themselves to the place of light. Some people who are in sin and darkness think that they can get themselves to the place of sin, of clean and sinlessness. At least sinlessness enough to make it to heaven, to be accepted with God. That's why that phrase, no darkness at all, is so important. In him is no darkness at all. He's the light. He's the light that invades darkness. He's the cleaner that cleans the dirty. He is the only one that can take us from darkness to light. He is the only one who can take what is unrighteous, void of righteousness, and impute, deposit into our account, righteousness completely. Because again, if we weren't completely righteous in God's sight, we could not be in his presence because he's light and in him is no darkness at all. Our only hope is to admit our condition before God and ask him to do what only he can do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is what God does. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love that. Again, why is it so important that Jesus Christ came? Because he was the glory of God manifested before us, and it was the only way that light could shine into our lights and illuminate us out of the darkness. And then Paul says this. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
And once he does this change, takes us from darkness, light invades us. Again, there's an obvious change, and you can read 2 Corinthians, continue on. We looked at this last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When, that, when, when light invades darkness, there's an obvious change. It says that old things are past, behold, all things have become new. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. So that's what happens when light invades the darkness. So here's the important thing for us tonight. If you say, I'm a believer, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I know I'm going to heaven because light has invaded my life. That, that, that unrighteousness has been changed to righteousness, not my righteousness, but the righteousness of God deposited into my account, the righteousness of Christ on me, covering me. That's me. I'm that person who is saved. If you say that you're saved, but it's not clear who you're living for, that light truly has invaded your life, that unrighteousness has been changed to righteousness, if it's not clear, then I have to challenge you just as Paul challenged the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Paul told them, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Because there's a change. There's a difference. You were, you were once in darkness, but now are you light. Jesus said that not everyone who calls him Lord, who calls him Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, Matthew chapter 7. Just because you say, I'm saved, I've been changed, I've, I've been taken from the darkness to the light, I believe everything that you're saying tonight, just because you say those things doesn't mean that you'll enter into the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says. So there's a difference between saying that he is the Lord, saying that you have been changed from darkness to light, saying that you are no longer unrighteous, but you have the righteousness. There's a difference between all those things and actually him being your Lord and actually invading your life, actually changing you from unrighteousness to righteousness. There's a difference between saying it and it actually being the case. And there's so many that say that Jesus is their Lord, but it's very clear by their life, by their choices, that they still sit as the Lord in the on the throne of their life. Look at them. You know, here on a Wednesday night, and I, I pray that's no, nobody here, but just as just I would challenge myself and did challenge myself earlier this week. Look at your life. Does it really show that the light has shone out of the, into the darkness and has illuminated my life and now I am in the light? It's obvious I'm in the light. It's obvious that, that, that I'm walking in the righteousness of God, not in my own strength, but by the grace of God, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, something we have to make sure, if, if we say that we are in the light, then we are to walk in the light as he is in the light, the Bible says. John continues to verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Going back to what I just said, there's a lot of people that say they know Jesus, a lot of people that say that they are saved, but they still live a life that represents darkness, that looks like darkness. Now, I want to say this. Let's remember what darkness is. Darkness is not just the vile, wicked junk that we see in this world. Like we look on the news and we say, oh, that is darkness. That is darkness. But darkness is the same thing as I said a while ago. That wrong thought, that, that, that wrong thing. You say, yeah, but well, wait a second. Just, just be patient with, with what he's saying. You say, wait, are you, are you talking about sinlessness? Just, just be patient. 
It says if we have fellowship, if we say that we have fellowship with him, but we live a life that is in darkness, then we're liars and we don't do the truth. Look what he says, though. But if we walk in the light, if we live a life that's representative of God, if we live a life that is, is righteous, if we live a life that, is, that is, is holy, if we live a life that's dedicated to Christ alone, if we walk in the light as he is in light, then we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. It's, it's, it's an obvious attribute of a child of God who's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ that they're walking in the light. Since God is light, he's purity, he's holy, no one who is a Christian can claim to be in fellowship with him. No one who, who claims to be a, a child of God can be in fellowship with God, can be in relationship with God while they are living in darkness. Why? Because what we just read in verse 5. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him, yet we live like we're in darkness, we're lying. We cannot have fellowship with God. But the way that we know we can have fellowship with God or that our life has been transformed, that we've been taken out of darkness into light, that we've been changed from unrighteousness to righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, is if we walk in the light as he is in the light. That's how we have community. That's what makes us different from those who are still in darkness. That's why the world looks at us and say, well, they, they are just weird. They are just always devoted to their God. They're always doing this, always saying this because we're in the light. Now, with all that being said, as I referenced a while ago, you're, saying, you're talking about sinlessness? Now, please listen. I'm not, the scripture doesn't say it's not that we don't sin or we don't fall. We don't make mistakes. Obviously, we do. I wouldn't want to go around the room and hear even the mistakes today that people made, Amen. that I made. <laughs> you're welcome. No. We're going, to see, we're going to see that in, in just another verse. But what this means is that we don't live in sin. We don't live in the same way. And so here's, here's the struggle, right? Because Jesus Christ, holy God, the, the manifest glory of God in, in the person of Jesus Christ comes to this earth. And, and what, what's his reputation? He's a friend of sinners, Right? He, he comes to this earth, and he doesn't go in, in, into the places and do the things that they do. But he comes, and he is light in darkness. And every single person that Jesus, as light, encounters who's in darkness is either converted or offended. Right? That's what happens. And so that is, if he is in light, if, if, if we say that we're in the light, then, then as he is in light, then that is the way our lives are supposed to look like. Our lives, if we're obedient to the Lord, it's, they're going to be offensive. The Bible says, let your, your, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In other words, let your lifestyle be in line with the gospel of Christ. So our lives should, that's what's going to happen. Not because we're intending to offend people or we're, out, or we're set out to offend people or we're set out to, to, to ostracize people from us. That's not what it's about. It's about living in obedience to the Word of God, living in submission to the Holy Spirit of God every day. And as we do that, that's called walking in the Spirit, in obedience with the Word, in step with the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. As we do that, we're walking in the light. 
And as we are all collectively walking in the light, that's where our community's found. That's where our fellowship's found with one another and with the Father. And as we do that, darkness looks darker. And that's why those who are in darkness will either be converted because of the treasure that we have in these earthen vessels, because of the light that God has shown into our lights is now shining unto them, or they'll be offended. What the struggle is today is so many Christians are not trying to live like I just explained. Dedicated to being obedient to God's word. Dedicated to being submitted to the Holy Spirit. Walking in the light. So many Christians are willing to say, well, I'm sure it's okay. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we are light and walking darkness, we lie and do not the truth. There is no, there's no gray area. There's no uh, dim area. It's radiant light, light that illuminates the city of God, light that changes darkness to light, or darkness, complete darkness. So it means that we don't live a life of sin. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live for anyone else other than Jesus Christ. What it means is our life looks like light because, again, we are in the light, not in darkness. Ephesians chapter 2 says that for those who are saved, we were once in darkness. Ephesians chapter 5, if you've got your Bibles, you can look there. It's going to be on the screen in Ephesians chapter 5. He says that he reiterates it. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Your lives should look different. Your lives should look like you're actually committed to God. When someone looks at you, they should know that person's a Christian. That person's a follower of Christ. They can't get enough of him. They can't get enough, listen, of the fellowship of believers. He just said in 1 John, if we say that we are in the light and walk in darkness, we, do, we, we lie and do not the truth. That, that, that our fellowship with one another is found when we are walking in the light as he is in the light. So to say I am walking in the light means that you are in right fellowship with others, in right fellowship with God, wholly devoted to God, very clearly submitted to the Holy Spirit, and very clearly obedient to the Word of God. All those things go together. Paul says, you used to live in darkness. You used to live a life of sin. You used to live a life of selfishness. You used to live a life for yourself and for the world and, and, and for, for sin. But now you are in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. So live like that. Walk like that. And then he says, for, because the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's the evidence of the Spirit in your life. Proving what is acceptable, showing, testing what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, show them, manifest them, manifest what darkness, it is, darkness is by you living in the light. Because it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Whatsoever doth make manifest his light. We saw this recently. Wherefore he said, The wake thou that sleepeth and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectively, carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Why? 
because you need to redeem the time because the days are evil. Your lives should live, you should be lived like you are in the light that Christ has lightened your life. But we're many Christians where we can lose our witness for Christ is when we get to that backslidden state. And let's not be, let's not deceive ourselves. We can be sitting in chairs tonight and be in a backslidden state. That's where Christians lose their witness. Why? Because Jesus said that the world's going to know that you're mine by the love that you have for one another. We just read in, 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 in um, 1 John that, that our fellowship with each other is found when we are walking in the light. It's found with each other. It's found with the Lord. That's what distinguishes the people of God from any other social group in this world is that we have a unique bond that is completely spiritual. We walk in the light. We love because he first loved us. We love each other in such a unique way that the world knows we're his followers. That's what people should experience when they walk into this church, when they encounter us at our jobs, when they encounter us at the store. That's what people should see. But what happens sometimes in, in our lives is the trials come along or attacks come along or struggles come along and we forget that we are light in the Lord. We forget that we are righteous in Christ. That we forget that we are to be walking steadfastly, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so we can go through the motions, like I said, even sitting in a seat tonight and be backslidden. And I'm telling you this, you're supposed to be light in the Lord. You're to be walking in the light. You're no longer in darkness. You're in light. And so the, the, the scripture says, see then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, many of us lose, can lose our witness because we're in a backslidden state because we don't live carefully. We don't walk with sober-mindedness, knowing that the enemy is a roaring lion seeking whom he may, he may devour. And so when Christians get to this backslidden state, they fall into sin. What the danger is, is to stay there. And let's remember, sin doesn't have to be something so gross that's put on the news. It can be sin in the heart. It can be sin in your thought life. It can be sin and omission. Not just the things that you commit, sin that you commit, but things that you leave out that you're supposed to be doing. You stay there and don't repent, that's when the danger. Again, as believers who have been taken out of darkness and put into the light, those who are dirty in our unrighteousness, cleaned up, completely whole, those of us who were dead in trespasses and sin, we know that we are not to live in those things anymore. Paul would say you can't because if you're in Christ, you're dead to sin now. Before Christ, you were dead in sin, but now in Christ, you are dead to sin. But again, I want to reiterate this. This is where he goes next. We're almost done. You say, so what are you saying? You're saying that once we're saved, that we can't sin anymore. I'm saying that we should strive not to sin. That we've been given the power. We've been given the resources. We've been given the light. We've been cleaned. To live a life of light, which means the absence of darkness. That means spotlessness, holy. Peter would say, the Lord said, be holy for I am holy. 
That's what our lives are supposed to look like. That's what we're supposed to be striving for. We don't look at each other and say, well, that, well, that person, that, they're not always hitting the nail on the head either. That's not the standard. <laughs> Walk in the light as he is in the light. So, well, again, it seems like you're saying that we're supposed to be sinless. Without any blemish, without any, any sin in our life at all. That's how we are to live. Make no mistake. To, to not be servants of sin anymore, be servants of Christ. To live in the light without any darkness, without any sin. That's the goal. The light of God, the holiness of God, the glory of God, that's the goal. But to say that we do not sin is a dire mistake. So while we say we are to live in light, live holy, live sinless, live righteous, not live for ourselves, not live for, for sin, not live according to anybody else's standards, but God's alone, we realize that there are still things that we miss the mark on. And that's what John says in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So while the goal is to be light, that's the goal, to walk in the light as he in the light is in the light. The reality is we sin. Unfortunately, that's the case. But we don't live a life of sin. We don't walk in that darkness. That's the difference. We don't live in the darkness. We don't walk in the dirtiness of unrighteousness because that's not our life anymore. We may fall into that sin. We may struggle with that sin. We may miss the mark today in this area. We may miss the mark tomorrow in that area. But our lives aren't composed by living for ourselves and living for sin anymore. We've been given a, a way to stay in the light. We've been given a way to not walk in darkness anymore. Here it is, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's, that's what we realize when we have been taken from light from darkness to light, is that we are to live that way. We, we know that we fall short in that. And so God gives us an opportunity, both to be saved in, in confessing our sins, but once we are saved, to confess our sins. Again, those in darkness don't see the need to be forgiven. But we are dirty. We're sinful. And our only hope of cleansing is through confessing to God and Him cleaning us. Even as a child of God, we need that daily forgiveness. We've been justified. That means we've been declared righteous in the presence of God. The righteousness of, of Christ is what he sees in our life. But in that daily struggle against sin, the, 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 the life that we're to live in the light, we realize that we fall short. And so in our paternal relationship with him that we can call him father, this father and son, father and daughter relationship, he's given us this great blessing of being able to say, God, I, I sinned, and I'm sorry. Forgive me. This shows a couple things, and I'll be done. Number one, it shows that there's only one way to be clean and only one way to be forgiven, and that's through confession. If you know tonight that there's something that you're struggling with or you've fallen into something or, or, or there's, there's something that you, you, you did today or maybe you did yesterday and you know that 
it's not light, it's darkness. You know that it's sin. Listen, there's only one way to be in light. There's only one way to be forgiven, and that's for you to tell it to God and turn from it. You say, but God already knows. And, and he sees my heart, he sees the struggle, he sees the, the problems I have, and the problems I have with people, and the problems I have with this sin, and God already knows all that. But he wants you to acknowledge that before his presence, to him. By simply saying, God, I know you know. I'm not trying to be like David, God, and, and, and hide this, but I, I, I'm telling you right now, this is what I'm struggling with. That's what God wants you to do. Because you can have fellowship with him. That's what he wants. That's what it was about, about Christ, fellowship. But the second thing it shows is that we can be forgiven and can be clean. Praise God. I don't know if that, that strikes a note with you, but I want you to hear that again. That, that, those verses tells us there's only one way to be clean and only one way to be forgiven, and that's through us going to God and confessing our sins and the second part of that truth is, is that we can be forgiven and we can be clean. He is faithful and just. Listen, I'm so thankful. This is the case. And listen to me. I'm so thankful. There is no limit put in that scripture. Do you hear that? There's no limit. You say, Brother Kyle, but I, I've stopped asking God to forgive me of this sin in my life because it seems like I'm always struggling with the same sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no limit. And you know what the other amazing thing is that, about that is? His forgiving of me and cleansing of me to make sure that I'm, that I'm walking in the light as he, as he is in the light, that work is not based off of me. It's based off of his faithfulness and his justness. It's not, well, I've got to a good enough place that God can forgive me now. It says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. I'm so thankful there's no limit. I'm so thankful God forgiving me is not based off of me. My part is to, to, to confess it. Your part is to confess it. But there's no limit, and it's based off his, of his goodness, his righteousness, and his justice. And he sent his son to put us in the light, to make us his sons and daughters. He desires that fellowship. He desires that communion, com communion and community with his people. Yes, individually, but also collectively. Maybe you're struggling believing that God would forgive you again. Remember, Scripture says that Christ was bruised for our iniquities. Please listen. If you don't hear anything else, the price has been paid for a limitless amount of unrighteousness. The price has already been paid through the blood of Christ for a limitless amount of unrighteousness. Righteousness paid unrighteousness, unrighteousness's debt. Think about that. There's a debt that unrighteousness demanded. Death, total death. And righteousness came and paid the price, period. 
So again, if you're here tonight and you're saying, I, I, I don't know, I'm just still struggling with asking God. Listen, there's no limit on the amount of right. We're not told in Scripture the amount of righteousness that God's willing to cleanse us from. It just says that he's faithful and just to cleanse us from it. We just got to confess it. So if you're struggling with something, again, maybe it's in your heart. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something you're doing outwardly. Maybe it's in your thought life. Maybe it's the way that you talk. Maybe it's, it's the things you say. Maybe it's your attitude towards another believer. Maybe it's your attitude towards your ne- or some, something else. That's sin. If it's not light, if it's not in line with God's word, tonight is the opportunity. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want to be right. Let's make sure that we utilize this gift of confession. It's a gift given to us if we confess our sins. What a beautiful reality about God's light, darkness, the gift of confession, and being able to be in the light as he is in the light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this reminder tonight, and I pray that you just move in our lives. Lord, help us to see as best as we possibly can how brilliant the light of your glory is. Lord, help us to strive to walk in the light as you're in the light. Help us to live holy because you're holy. God, help us not compromise regardless regardless of what we see other people who even may claim to be Christians. Help us never to look to them or others as a standard, but to look to you because you are the standard. Lord, help us remember tonight again as we just saw that we realize that as we strive for that sinlessness, as we strive for that righteousness, as we strive for the light, as we strive to be holy, we realize that we miss the mark, that we're still in these fleshly bodies that fall short and, and we mess up. And so we're thankful tonight that you give us this gift of confession and repentance. Lord, that even as your children, we can come to you and say, we're sorry. And in that moment, as we are sincere in that, you forgive us completely, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And so, Lord, we thank you for this gift. Thank you for this message tonight. We ask you to move now in Jesus' name.